0: Hey, welcome back to They Reminisce Over You. I'm Miguel.
1: And I'm Christina. And this week we're talking about Michael Eugene Archer. Who that D'Angelo. Uh, he is a one take singer, a songwriter. He plays a million instruments and was at the forefront of the so called Neo Soul movement.
0: <laughs> the the <laughs> title that no one really likes.
1: <laughs> yep. Though he only has three studio albums, with the third one coming out fourteen years after the second one. He's still considered one of the greats of R&B, soul, and just as an artist overall. Yes. As he's experimenting with different types of music and evolving. Yep. So, shall we get into it? I think we should. All right, let's do it. Okay. So, let's talk a little bit about how he got started. So, I actually didn't know this until I started watching just random interviews and reading a bunch of stuff, but he won an amateur talent competition at the Apollo Theater three weeks in a row when he was 18. No, no, 16. No, 18. I don't know. Teenager. (laughs) He was young. In my notes, I have 18 and 16. He was a teenager. Okay. I don't know if you saw this interview. I think this was the one with, what's his name? Nelson. Nelson George. Yeah. Who's pretty much in every. Kind of music related thing.
0: Yes,
1: (laughs) he was talking about how like there was a bunch of kids that traveled together on a bus or something to get there.
0: No, I didn't see that part.
1: Yeah, there was a bunch of them just traveling on a bus, and I guess they had some adult chaperones or something. He was saying how they were trying to tell him what to do. They're like, "Don't sing a gospel song; you're gonna get booed." And he was dead set on singing a People Bryson song. Well,
0: that's random.
1: (laughs) Yep. And so he said just before he was about to go on, there was a girl singing a gospel song before him.
0: And she got booed?
1: He said they booed the shit out of her (laughs) (laughs) and she was crying.
0: Oh, man. The Apollo used to be ruthless. Yes.
1: I'm like, oh, man, they'll boo you for singing a gospel song. They would boo
0: you for anything (laughs) at the Apollo.
1: He didn't say if he ended up changing his song, which he probably didn't, because I don't think you could just change it last minute. But then he said, then they introduced him as this kid from way down south. (laughs) And then he said they went
0: boo before he
1: even came out.
0: Oh, that's harsh. (laughs)
1: He's from Virginia? Yeah. Way down south. (laughs) So then he said they booed him before he even came out, but he still won them over, made it back to the next round. But this time he's like, I'm going to sing something a little more uptempo. Okay. Rub you the right way, Johnny Gill. Wow. (laughs) And he said he won first place with that one. As a
0: teenager, he's singing Johnny Gill's (laughs) Rub You the Right Way. (laughs) i need to see this
1: i was trying so hard to find it you know how i try not to use google because privacy when i'm really desperate and i can't find it on DuckDuckGo, i will go to google And i still couldn't find it i found an old video of lauren hill getting booed (laughs) when she was on uh, the apollo but i'm like okay this 13 year old lauren hill video exists why can't i find d'angelo singing rep you the right way he
0: had a scrub (laughs) from
2: the internet He doesn't want us to see it.
1: Yeah, so I want to see that really badly. I just think it would be hilarious to see a teenage D'Angelo singing Johnny Gill. Yeah,
0: because I can't <laughs> imagine his voice Yes, the way it sounds now, trying to growl and sing, rub you the right way.
1: As a teenager, yeah. too.
0: <laughs> so you know his voice was even higher and sounding like he needed to go through puberty, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to have to track this down.
1: I don't know. I hope somebody has it. I tried, but maybe you should.
0: Yeah, if anybody has a connect to D'Angelo out there, (laughs) tell him to post it on Instagram.
1: Apollo Archives or something? Yeah.
0: Let us know so we can see it.
1: (laughs) Another thing I found out that he was briefly in a hip hop group called IDU.
0: What does IDU stand for?
1: Intelligent, deadly, but unique. Oh,
0: God. We don't know which.
1: It was him and two friends, so we don't know which one's which. Uh, I don't know which one's which. I couldn't find that info. That's Um, a
0: very 80s, early 90s (laughs) name.
1: Yeah, so apparently, as a group, they cut a demo tape, but that demo ended up getting him signed as a singer.
0: Yeah, I saw that that he ended up getting like a songwriting deal before his recording contract,
1: mm-hmm. which is how he ended up with his first major success. Which we do know. I didn't know all this other stuff, but we do know about. You will know, yeah, the Black Men United song that we had talked about in the Tevin episode, actually. right?
0: And I obviously, like I said then, didn't know the, who the hell. Yeah. He was. He was so, some kid on the piano. Yeah. <laughs> so I had no clue. And even when you mentioned it mm-hmm. during that episode, I didn't even realize it was him. Mm. So I had to go back and watch it.
1: Well, I mean, Brown Sugar ended up coming out a year later in 1995. So when Brown Sugar came out, I recognized him right away. I was like, oh, he's the guy. Not me. In the You Will Know video.
0: <laughs> Not me. <laughs> it was 2021. <laughs> Because I hadn't seen the video since yeah. the 90s. Yeah. So I did not recognize it because I'm too busy looking at all the stars <laughs> that are in it.
1: So, I mean, that's a pretty big, like, first success. Yeah. So he co-wrote and co-produced it. His brother also co-wrote it with him as well. So that was in 1994. And as we mentioned just now, and also in the Tevin episode, like, every black male R&B singer was pretty much on the song. Solo or group. <laughs>
0: And that's a pretty big deal for Mm -hmm. an unknown artist to not only have that level of talent be singing your song, Mm -hmm. but you also the producer as well. And you don't have an album out. Like, how did you manage that?
1: Like, in the video, he's basically the conductor as well. Like, he's the Quincy Jones. Right. Of We Are The World. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a pretty big deal for a kid. It is, is. I believe... 18 or so By this time That's crazy Yeah So he telling, must have been 16 at the Apollo Then because My notes are all Messed up now But he's out here Telling <laughs>
0: Gerald Levert What to do
1: That's a pretty big start And then Brown Sugar Which came out His first album In 1995 A yeah. year later
0: Which was mostly Produced by him As well mm-hmm. You're entrusting Somebody that's 18, 19 years old yeah. Maybe 20 at the time To I
1: think he might have been So he's a year older Than you I believe so Okay How old you in 1995 do some quick notes.
0: i was 20 so that would make him 21 okay <laughs> even then like an unknown artist
1: but you know he's probably working on it
0: for, yeah like, at least a year or something letting him write produce and basically all the instruments do everything <laughs> By himself basically like him yeah. and Bob Power is credited on it as mm-hmm, a producer. Mm-hmm. He's an engineer who used to work with like Tribe Call Quest right. so I don't know how much input he had in terms of actual production yeah. or if it was more of we need to turn this down turn this up.
1: I remember him talking about Bob Power in one of the interviews I can't remember what he said exactly but I did think he did have a lot of influence. Yeah
0: uh, enough to though. be credited yeah. as a producer Right. the only other two production credits are on brown sugar with ali shaheed muhammad Mm -hmm. and on lady with rafael sadi so that's pretty good company to be in on your debut album
1: and i think what made this album stand out at the time is so this was released in 1995 and we've mentioned many times around this time there was a lot of that hip-hop r&b sound right and as much as mary J. and singers like her male or female Brought in sort of the churchy, old school R&B sound. It did have a very distinct 90s hip hop vibe, right? Yeah. Even though it was a current, current at the time, <laughs> depiction of R&B, I guess, it still sounded a little more old school soulful. Right. Hence that term, Neo Soul. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which, as I'm like going through stuff prepping for this, yeah. everybody who gets hit with the Neo Soul <laughs> label yeah. hates it.
1: He was being a little more diplomatic, but he's like, I just don't want to be boxed into one category. And
0: I don't remember who said it, but they basically said that claiming Neo soul is new and it's coming back implies that soul music died. Mm -hmm. When it actually didn't Other things just became More popular Right In the 80s and 90s In early 90s But it never really died So that's yeah. why they didn't Really like the Neo Soul label
1: I always just looked at it As saying like This is the 90s version yeah. Of Soul Not necessarily like That old shit
0: sucks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not like They could do anything About it Because right. once the cat's Out of the bag We're just gonna call it Neo mm-hmm. Soul
1: So this album Was very much A newer type of soul Yeah because even songs like When We Get By, if you had told me that was a cover, I would have believed you. But it's not. No. Not at all. <laughs> it's an original song written by him. You know how on title they'll include a little bio right. for each album. So the the bio for this album said hip hop attitude. I'm like, actually that's a good way to describe it because
0: Because it's not a hip hop album.
1: It's not hip hop album, it's not hip hop sound, but he has yeah. the hip hop attitude, which hence it's not that surprising that he was in a rap group with his buddies back in the <laughs> yeah. day, right? It's like Okay, of course he was, right? <laughs> he claims that he was a fucking good MC. I think okay. that's what he said. And then Nelson George is like, you can't say something like that and not spin a rhyme. And he of refused course. to do it.
0: <laughs> and so somebody needs to dig that up too.
1: But at the same time, I can see it. Because when you think about how he sings Brown Sugar, it does kind of almost sound like it might have used to been a rap or something. And yeah, you to a, a sing few it of his again. songs,
0: yeah. he has kind of a rap cadence. Yeah. So I... I don't see it I shouldn't say that I do see him being a rapper I can't say that he was a good (laughs) one That I'm going to need proof of
1: Yes But I could see the influence Yeah, Even if his music isn't as much of that 90s hip hop R&B sound It's much more soulful and kind of old school R&B But I could see it I'm not surprised But I think singing was the better route for
0: him (laughs) I still want proof though
1: I still want to hear it But he refused to do it Um, the other thing that I always thought was hilarious about one of the songs in this album is he can make a song called Shit Damn Motherfucker and make it sound like a cool, jazzy, smoky <laughs> club song. When he's talking about I'm about to go get my nine because he catches his woman cheating.
0: With his friend.
1: Yeah, with his friend. And then he ad motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious i remember showing the song to a friend of mine so probably 95 teenager like 14 15 or something and she was like church girl and you know didn't listen to this kind of stuff and swear. this was a
0: bit too much for her she
1: was like that does sound nice, actually. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> she was like, all right. Because <laughs> I was telling her, I was like, I know you don't like this kind of stuff, but you need to hear this. Cause it's just <laughs> funny that he made this sound like a soulful song. Yeah, i out
0: here spreading the D'Angelo gospel.
1: <laughs> I tried. But when I was re-listening to this album, I was like, yeah, this is very much Love Jones, Brother to the Night shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that. And speaking of Neo Soul, we were getting quote unquote Neo Soul movies around this time, too. Yeah. So no, everything fits together.
1: Speaking of him also playing a bunch of instruments in the video for I mean, those dreaming eyes of mine. He's playing the cello. He's playing the piano. He's playing the drums. He's playing the guitar. It's a bunch of D'Angelo's in a band playing all these instruments. And here's your reminder of how old we are. Okay. He's flirting with a girl in a phone booth.
0: <laughs> That's funny a video. A phone booth. And we just saw a payphone recently <laughs> for the first time. And who knows when?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man. The funny thing about him playing all the instruments in that video is he actually didn't play those instruments at the time. Okay. Because I was reading that he learned to play guitar Mm -hmm. after voodoo. Mm. I
1: was like, I've never heard him talk about playing a cello. (laughs) We know he plays piano. And I I also knew he played drums and guitar. So I just assumed he played those at the time.
0: No, he learned guitar after voodoo when he mm. kind of disappeared for a while but we can get yeah. to that later
1: because he did mention that when he played piano he would try to mimic guitar sounds yeah. in one of these many interviews that i watched so i guess maybe that's why i just i assumed he just played all of it. <laughs> <laughs> nope he
0: said he learned then
1: did you watch any of the videos
0: i watched lady okay. i watched the lady remix mm-hmm. and that's it
1: okay another thing about this album if you are streaming it there are two versions there's the the regular brown sugar version and then there's a deluxe edition right or at least on title i'm assuming all streaming services has the same version so even though the regular version says brown sugar is um it has the explicit label he says the n-word in the song and they bleep it out but it's so annoying because instead of just like silence or something they use like this horn tweaking
0: sound <laughs> i don't remember that oh
1: it's so annoying and i couldn't remember which version had it and which one didn't so if you're streaming it on title or other streaming services listen to the deluxe edition <laughs> that's so funny. that you don't hear this <laughs> <laughs> oh and also another thing i noted when i was watching the brown sugar video he is one of the few people like i hate Smoking so much I hate cigarettes so much <laughs> yeah. But he makes chain smoking look cool
0: <laughs> I can't go that far Because I hate smoking too But you know he's a musician That's what they do
1: It fits his aesthetic <laughs> Yeah,
0: He's a jazz man at heart
1: So what was your impression Of this debut album
0: I liked it because as you know I have an eclectic musical taste
2: mm-hmm.
0: Like I'm Deeply entrenched in hip hop but, you know, I listened to like Sly and the Family Stone, right. Parliament mm-hmm. and Funkadelic and a bunch of stuff like that from the early 70s. Mm-hmm. So that's why it kind of fit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find it weird. And we'll probably talk about this later. But the direction his career was going after this as well, it kind of strayed further and further away from hip hop, but it didn't seem weird to me. So I was all in from the first time I heard it.
1: Same. I loved it right from the beginning. Unlike some folks, I didn't need to see him shirtless to be interested.
0: <laughs> it's funny that the whole shirtless thing ended up being such a problem for him. Yeah. Because I listened to Quest Love on Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. And he was saying how after this album, D'Angelo was a big boy and had a trainer. The label yes. got him a trainer to make him lose weight because mm-hmm. he was so big. And I'm like, he wasn't big though.
1: Maybe we didn't see it because we didn't have social media back then. Cause True. during the time of like this album being released and music videos and stuff, we saw him then he wasn't like a big boy. No, say, but he, not he that wasn't I skinny. could see he wasn't skinny. Yeah. He
0: wasn't skinny. He wasn't the untitled video, Yeah, <laughs> but he didn't look big to me.
1: I remember seeing him in an show where he might, I could say he was a little chubby, but okay. not even like, right. You know, it's just like, okay, he's not, skinny right (laughs) he might be an extra large instead of a large yeah like it wasn't like this guy needs to lose weight yeah and even fully clothed he always had a lot of sex appeal like him like ll always licking their lips and stuff (laughs) right i mean i guess obviously if you've seen the untitled video that's more than him licking his lips while he's wearing a a leather coat and baggy (laughs) jeans but i just I think it's funny that so many people kind of almost discovered him through the entitled. I don't know if it's in his head thinking like, oh, people just like me for this now. Yeah. Or if that actually helped him gain more mainstream appeal. It's hard to say because I was just a fan from the beginning. So yeah. I think it was hard for me to see whether that made that much of a difference.
0: I can see it and I will get to it when we get to Voodoo.
1: Okay. So what was your favorite song on the Brown Sugar album?
0: My favorite song is the lady remix okay. or me and those dreaming eyes of mine. It's mm-hmm. a tie between those two because the lady remix gives me my hip hop sensibilities. Yes. And me and those dreaming eyes of mine is kind of old school. Right. So I, I get a little of both.
1: Okay. Depending on your
0: mood. Yeah. <laughs> what about you?
1: For me, it will always be lady. Okay. This is actually a no skip album for me, but it's always going to be lady. Okay. I like the lady remix as well. And, Since I said it's a no-skip album, obviously that means I like every other song too. (laughs) But yeah, for me, something about Lady, it'll always be that.
0: Okay. Something that's going to come up a lot in this Mm -hmm. is something that Questlove has said Mm -hmm. about D'Angelo since they're so close. Mm -hmm. He was talking about how he basically talked himself out of working on the Brown Sugar album because he was hating on 90s (laughs) R&B singers, (laughs) which is funny because of all of the stuff we think of Questlove being a part of (laughs) since then. Yeah. Like, why are you hating on singers? Uh He he just said that the singers of that time really didn't touch him in the way that old 70s soul singers did. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I don't feel like working with no D'Angelo. Who is that? (laughs) So he basically just like, nah, wrote him off. I'll pass. Until he heard the actual album, Mm -hmm. which we mentioned on the Source Awards episode. Well, the the bonus bonus episode on the Source Awards when he said that, As he's running out of the theater at Madison Square Garden when Snoop is on stage talking about y'all ain't got no love for (laughs) Dr Dre and Snoop Dogg,
1: he grabbed his date and ran out because he was like it's about to go (laughs) down. It's like
0: it's it's getting ugly in here. I gotta go. (laughs) And he just said that this guy basically chases him down to give him a cassette. And it's like I think you'll like this. You need to listen to it. And he said if there was a garbage can around, he was going to throw it away. (laughs) But he threw it in his pocket, ran back to the hotel. Gets to the hotel and pulls it out, and he sees Bob Power's name on the back of it. Bob Power was the engineer for the route. So he's like, If he's working on it, let I'll me go ahead and shy. check this out. So he said, He put it in. It uh-huh. was like, This is fucking amazing. I need to find this guy. <laughs> and he said, For the next year, he searched. Right, And tried to track him down and get mm-hmm. in touch with him. And finally he did.
1: Well, this was actually, he talked about this again in that interview with Nelson George, because he ended up bringing up Questlove a couple of times right. to, to chat. So all this time this year where he was trying to figure out how can he bump into D'Angelo again. Yeah. D'Angelo was saying that he was in search of a new drummer and he went to a Roots show. I can't remember yes. if he said he did it on purpose to see. Questlove that he was at a Roots show and then Questlove said when he realized that D'Angelo was there
0: <laughs> he basically ruined the Roots performance <laughs> yeah. trying to impress D'Angelo
1: he's like that was basically my addition because D'Angelo has a specific style that he uses for his drummers <laughs> he was saying how like when he started trying to drum in that style his band was looking at him like yeah what wh- are you
0: doing? like why are you messing up the cues?" <laughs>
1: And, well, obviously it worked.
0: Yeah, because he said he saw him and Erica Badu at wherever they were performing. Yeah, And he saw them in the back of the room. And that's when he decided that he was going to throw in some Prince drum rolls just (laughs) to see if he would respond. And he said his head whipped up when he did. And he was like, I got that motherfucker now. (laughs) And from then on, they were working together.
1: Kindred spirits. Yes. So the style that he calls it, they call it like a drunken drumming, basically, which I never noticed before and he kind of explains that it's a looser style basically yeah. right and he was saying how he spent his whole career trying to be so exact and perfect right and then d'angelo comes in and is like no don't do it like that <laughs> yeah it's like people are gonna laugh at me like why are you so sloppy and it's interesting because you know musicians they just have like a different ear as much as yeah. we can hear the music and we can decide what we like and don't like blah 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 They have a different ear. And I couldn't really catch what he meant by this drunken drumming until I saw an interview with Questlove only. And he was mimicking the drum sounds with his mouth, (laughs) not an actual drum. Then when he pared it down to just that, I could hear how it almost sounds like it's offbeat. And I'm like, oh, I get it. And it kind of reminds me of that video clip we saw of Harry Connick Jr.
0: when he tricked his audience into everybody back on beat.
1: Yeah, so there's this clip of Harry Connick Jr. performing somewhere and his audience is clapping on the 1 and the 3. Yeah. And he somehow slips in this like fifth beat to trick them into getting back to the 2 and the 4.
0: <laughs> and they did and didn't they even did, notice.
1: It's like a magic trick. How did he do that? <laughs> And so that's what made me think of when he was explaining this drunken drum pattern that they were doing. Yeah,
0: it, it's oh. something that us regular folk wouldn't catch until it's pointed out. But then as right. soon as it's pointed out, it's like, oh, duh.
1: I think he said it took him like a month to like actually get it. Like kind of un unlearn some of the yeah. things he was doing before to, to do the style that D'Angelo wanted for the voodoo album.
0: And speaking of voodoo, mm-hmm. let's just get into it.
2: So this
1: one definitely sounded more experimental than Brown Sugar. Even though Brown Sugar kind of ushered in a new sound, it was still, you know, more R and B. Whereas this one, you can hear a few more of those hip hop influences, but now you're also hearing more like funk, bluesies, like Jimi Hendrix and Prince, which are some big influences for him, and you can really hear that now. And the album very much sounds like a big jam session. Yeah. Basically, was. Can you imagine how much recorded music there is that we will never hear?
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) from everything I've read or seen about it, they would just go in and do stuff all the time.
1: Because I think in the intro, I said he was a one take singer because he had mentioned that he does like to record his vocals in one take because he likes how it just sounds natural the first time around so it's like how many songs are there if you're a one take singer
0: which kind of goes into what we were talking about yesterday about Mm -hmm. whether he's a whispering bitch or not (laughs) and i said that he's a mumbling bitch not a whispering bitch
1: (laughs) because he doesn't enunciate
0: yeah he's on his scissor well, no, yeah, it's different that's, with her.
1: That's a different sound.
0: Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I'm thinking they're just basically freestyling a bunch of stuff and then whatever mm. comes out, we're going to keep it.
1: Because he's like when he was mentioning his one take, he's like, even if I'm mumbling, I want to keep it.
0: Which makes sense if mm. they're just sitting in there jamming for hours. Right. I read pieces of a Rolling Stone interview because it was behind a goddamn paywall. <laughs> uh, but Toure was saying how they would sit around and watch movies for hours mm-hmm. and then they would go in the studio and just start jamming and playing other people's music. And eventually, as they're playing, it would transform into something else. OK. So I'm assuming that's how they did a lot of it. Mm hmm. Where you start just playing a Prince song and next thing you know, you're freestyling at the end and mm-hmm. now the music is changing and here we are with whatever comes out.
1: Yeah, so this kind of felt less cohesive as a full album because it does sound like basically what we were just saying, a big jam session. So yeah. it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Even them just leaving like chatter in it kind of made, I guess that's probably what they
0: wanted. Yeah. <laughs> You get a lot of that on the other stuff they were working on around the time, like Common's album and Erica Badu's right. album. There's a lot of that feel to it as well. Yeah.
1: And they were all recording in the same studio, right? Yeah. The, um, what's it called again? Electric Lady. Yes. So they were talking about how like, people would just drop by. Yeah. Like Common and Erica and just kind of come by and hang out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And something I learned during the, the research for this is the Soul Aquarians mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to be the entire collective. It's only four of them: oh. Questlove, James Poyser, Jay Dilla, and D'Angelo, because they're all Aquarius, and they were just the Soul Aquarians. Mm-hmm. And whoever wrote the uh, the Vibe magazine article heard them saying that while they were there, and when the article came out, said that they were all the Soul Aquarians, <laughs> and they're not. And apparently, that led to some tension, and the reason why things kind of fell apart.
1: Hmm. Why would that lead to tensions if it's the vibe writer who made a mistake?
0: Well, I read uh, a excerpt from Questlove's book mm-hmm. and he basically said that he wouldn't say any names, but <laughs> rapper A would call him and say, I don't work for you. Um, I'm not even an Aquarius. Why are right. you saying that mm. we're also Aquarians?
1: So they, there was a misunderstanding <laughs> yeah. as to who was calling them a soul yeah Okay. And,
0: I guess the article comes off as like Questlove is the boss Mm. and he tells everybody else what to do. And some people didn't like that. Mm. They eventually parted ways (laughs) as a collective. But we got some good music out of it. We got Voodoo. We We got Mama's Gun Mm -hmm. and Like Water for Chocolate.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: All great albums. Another thing I thought was interesting is artists also have a way of seeing things that are different from non-artists. Yes. (laughs) Because he D'Angelo was talking about Devil's Pie. And he was talking about what he was trying to convey. And to him, he said the spirit of the vocals was basically like a chain gang, like field slaves picking cotton. And okay. This is what they would be singing. That's what he was going for. Uh, okay. Like, okay. I don't know if I, I saw that, but.
0: I definitely didn't. And I'm <laughs> going to have to listen to it <laughs> when we're done. Yep. And with that in think mind. think
1: Because that's how he described it straight from his mouth. Okay. <laughs> So, Nelson George was just asking him about playing the piano, playing the guitar, and all that. And he explained it as he sees the guitar and bass as meat and potatoes and the piano as coloring over top of it. Okay. Like, sure. (laughs) That makes sense to you.
0: Meat and potatoes and coloring. Yeah. All right.
1: And he's talking about it like it's so clear to him that this is how it's seen. And I'm like, sure. All right. (laughs) And like we saw in the documentary, like he's, an
2: artist, yeah
1: just kind of wandering around humming <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely a different view when you i think like you're driven by your art which is probably why well a first of all it took him a long time to even make the album the voodoo album after brown sugar he said he had writer's block for a while right and when he had his first kid that kind of helped loosen up the writer's block but it makes sense why someone like him would take so long to just make a second album just because it's like, things need to be right. Right. Like, I need to be whatever. <laughs> yeah. Inspired and all that. Well, um,
0: I was seeing that for the uh, the Brown Sugar album, they were touring for like two or three years and he basically didn't get a chance to just sit still and come up with stuff. So that's why you really end up with some writer's block because you're constantly working rather than creating. Mm hmm. So I'm sure that has something to do with it as well. Just not being able to write.
1: So maybe he gained all that weight on tour that we didn't (laughs) see, which is why they got him a trainer and had him running around uh, Central Park and lifting weights
0: and stuff. (laughs) Uh, I'm still not buying it as him being quote-unquote, big. I'm not going
1: there. <laughs> I don't know. That's what Questlove said. Yeah. And he definitely lost some weight and he gained did. some muscle in between the time. <laughs> yes. Because even though he was fully clothed, we could tell he didn't look like that. Yeah. During the brown
2: sugar days. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but I wonder if... Was the record company saying, "Okay, he's got this debut album that's making this love music. Let's make him a sex symbol."
0: I'm sure it had something to do with it.
1: And when he was doing it, he probably didn't expect it to turn
0: into to what, ruin him, yeah, basically. What or, it turned into, yeah. Because I could see how it could be an issue mm-hmm. where he is someone who is like, "Look at my art," and then everybody's like, "Take your shirt off." Yeah, take your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "No, I'm trying to give you my art right here." Right. So I can see how that could cause some issues.
1: Yeah. Especially since, like I said, he's very much an artist first. Yeah. He's not just like, I just like to sing and make money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's
0: not vibes first. Yeah. (laughs) He's art first. Vibes and aesthetics first.
1: (laughs) Oh, another funny thing I found out was, so you know, there's that song Chicken Grease, right? Yes. And I always thought, why did they call it Chicken Grease? But Questlove said they named it after a phrase that Prince uses when he wants his guitarist to play a ninth minor chord while playing 16th notes, which I have no idea what that means. That means nothing to me. Some kind of music guitar thing, which (laughs) Prince calls Chicken Grease. Okay. (laughs) So that's why they called that song Chicken Grease. All right.
0: I can see it. I don't know what it means, but... Some kind of music It makes sense.
1: So, with all the different sounds and stuff, you got a Red Meth cameo, you got some more funk, but you still have the soul, you got a cover on here. What is your favorite song?
0: Oh, man. I have two again, and they're polar opposites. Okay. <laughs> so, in this moment, I'm going to choose just one. Okay. And the options are Spanish Joint and Devil's Pie, like said, completely opposite ends <laughs> of the spectrum. So for the purposes of this podcast, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Spanish joint. All right. That's my choice.
1: I have two as well, but for different reasons. Okay. So my favorite song on this album is actually his version of Feel Like Making Love. Because I hadn't heard the Roberta Flack version before hearing this. Okay. And I was so used to hearing it with that beat that when I heard Roberta Flack's version, I'm like, oh, this sounds like it's missing something. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so light, her version. Yeah, I can see that. So I really love his, and it's my favorite song off the album, because I'm more on the soul side than the funk side. Okay. But, I mean, it's a cover, so if that kind of negates it being his song, (laughs) (laughs) then my favorite is Send It On.
0: Okay.
2: The thing that
1: I wanted to look up, but I forgot since we finally dragged our CDs out from storage, is I kept seeing uh, when I was reading articles about this that what's his name saul williams yeah i think he had written some stuff in the the cd liner notes okay and i just kept seeing it referenced in these little articles and stuff i'm like i'll just go look myself
0: which <laughs> and you forgot. I, forgot
1: I have it in my notes check the cd liner notes and i forgot so we're gonna have to i don't know look at that later and see what <laughs> yeah. saul was writing about that had everyone else writing about it <laughs> we'll add some
0: footnotes on the website
1: <laughs> yeah You know, it's ironic that the video for Untitled, How Does It Feel, kind of led him down this spiral, and neither of us picked that as our favorite song. Yeah. It's not that I don't like it. It's just there are songs that I like better.
0: The reason I don't like it as much Mm -hmm. is because obviously it sounds like Prince, Prince. (laughs) and I want my Prince to come from Prince, so that's why I didn't really gravitate towards it while it was out. Like, I appreciate it more now, mm-hmm. 20 years later than I did at the time, because it was just like, stop trying to do Prince because you're not him.
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, I like the song, but yeah, there's just other ones that I like better. No real reason in particular for me. Obviously, I like the video. But at the same time, I can't imagine, I don't know how to describe it. I think people expect like okay if you're a man like why wouldn't you want women screaming after you and stuff? But as you were saying, if he's very much like here's my art, and they were saying how like when he was performing, women and men actually <laughs> they were just screaming at him to like take his shirt off. Yeah. But not only that, he's saying how they would grab his crotch and stuff right. and like tug on him and stuff. And like, can you imagine singing while somebody is trying to touch your parts? Yeah. Like male or female that has to be jarring
0: especially (laughs) when you don't want that attention yeah he was quote unquote the big boy a couple years ago (laughs) Uh and now he's this chiseled adonis and he doesn't want to be the chiseled adonis he just happens to be the chiseled Mm -hmm. adonis but that's what the people want from him
1: and a lot of times performers even though they're on stage and maybe they're like being very out there, a lot of times they're very much introverts at the same yeah. time. And he seems very much like an introvert as well. Right. So even if he's on stage with his shirt off, it's got to be weird for him yeah. <laughs> to have that kind of attention.
0: Well, every interview I saw with him, he mm-hmm. would always talk about the differences between D'Angelo and Michael. And a lot of times he just wants to be Michael, but mm-hmm. everybody wants him to be D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. And that led to a lot of his issues.
1: So, I mean, he couldn't have known, but. I wonder what he was thinking when they were like, okay, here's the concept for this video. Well,
0: (laughs) it's funny you say that. I saw something with the director and of course the song is about sex, but Mm -hmm. the video, he said he told him to think about your grandmother's cooking. Okay. Think about how good the greens taste and how good. Is the fried that why he was sweating? Tastes. Yeah, and <laughs> he how had good, the meat sweats. <laughs> and how good this gonna taste after church and yeah. all this up? And that's how they got him into that mindset to just have those expressions and whatnot. Yeah. He was thinking about his grandmother's cooking <laughs> and not a woman.
1: You know what? That makes sense.
0: It, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I completely get it sometimes i get
1: excited about food too
0: exactly (laughs) (laughs) and after i was reading that i was like you know what that makes perfect sense to me because i instantly wanted some fried chicken (laughs) i didn't get it
1: it's was nice to have something for the ladies to look at for once obviously you're gonna get excited but it's just so weird that he's trying to sing and you're sitting there take
2: your
0: shirt off like
1: i totally understand why he would be annoyed
0: yeah and there was one night that a woman threw money at him
1: Oh God!
0: <laughs> and he said, while on stage, he was yelling at her, "I'm not a stripper." Wow! <laughs> so that's how bad it got. Yeah, that you have people throwing money at it.
1: Do you even like him, or you?
0: He- you just like the idea of this. Yeah, basically.
1: When I was reading one of many articles written about the video, the thing that they pointed out, which makes sense to me, is because you know he had the low cut pants, right? But it would never go too low
2: yeah right
1: in reality he was just wearing some low-cut sweats or something but the way they talked about it was how it was filmed it wasn't lewd it was more artistic right and it forces you to use your imagination a little bit because he's not actually doing anything right
0: he's thinking about chicken yeah (laughs) (laughs) chicken and Peach cobbler. And
1: so to me, I think I understand maybe how in his mind he could have seen it more like as part of his artistic expression, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, that completely makes sense.
1: To think of him as like a stripper and throw money at him is just so weird as a fan. Like I get all of the lust that goes with it. But to take it that far to make him just, like, not want to do this anymore. It's a lot. Hey,
0: they're just lucky that it wasn't Kevin Gates because he kicks people in the face who grab his crotch (laughs) on stage.
1: Yeah, and obviously he must be a sensitive soul for it to kind of bother him so much that he disappeared.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But in terms of that causing his popularity, I can see that too because in a couple other episodes that we talked about Mm -hmm. with how hip-hop was taking off In the same time period, Mm -hmm. he would have been right in that mix, too, because the video was all over BET and MTV. So it was the perfect time for somebody to be in that position to take their career out of here.
1: You know what? I kind of take that back. Like I can see how someone who's maybe never really heard of him before, someone who's, you know, watching MTV's. TRL or something, right? And they're seeing Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. And, and then, then this guy this shows guy up. This guy shows up, and you're like, oh who's this hot yeah. stud, right? Who would never really listen yeah. to D'Angelo, who's now like, oh, yeah, I like this guy. He's hot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so you have that, and then you have women who probably never would have looked twice at him because he was a chubby boy. <laughs> because he was a chubby boy. Now they see this. Yeah. And then you have. Those <laughs> girls and women and their men right. looking at him like, why can't I get some of this affection right. that you're giving him?
1: Yeah. So and now, now the men are mad. <laughs> yeah,
0: so now they're mad, but at the same time they're listening to the song is like, what is it about this song that they like? So I can do that too. <laughs> so everybody yeah. was just coming at him, and I can see how that could yeah. be like, you know what, just get away from me. Leave me alone.
2: Yeah.
1: I guess now that we're kind of like talking through it. I guess it was hard for me to see that before, because like I said, I was a fan from the beginning. Right. And I always found that he had sex appeal fully clothed. So this was just a little more. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's just weird. I get it though. But I guess that, you know, we always talk about when certain artists that are beloved in quote, our community, they'll have like. One hit that just goes mainstream, yeah, and there's really no rhyme or reason why it does. This one, at least, we kind of know it's because he was naked,
0: yeah. <laughs> there's a definite point that you can point to and say, This is the reason, yeah, because it's not like he was some struggling artist before that,
1: no. Because already, like with the first album, people were already like, Oh, he's the one, yeah, <laughs> and then you had the pressure of that, too,
0: yeah, that doesn't help
1: being the chosen one. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I can see it.
1: Well, before he disappeared, he did some collabs. There was Be Here with Raphael Sadiq. Did you watch the video for this by any chance?
0: I did. Okay. Uh, Because I I forgot that I did. Did you notice? I like this song.
1: Okay. Did you notice who Raphael's love interest was? I didn't. It's Jada from The Shy, Emmett's mama. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As soon as she came sauntering out of that car, I was like, I know this face.
0: I didn't even catch that.
1: Yep. Before she was playing people's mama.
0: Right. She She was was a hot mama. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite songs of Raphael's. That's going to be stuck in my head.
1: Yeah. I really like that song, too. Yeah, I mean, he did some collabs and stuff uh, in between Brown Sugar and Voodoo as well.
0: There's the Jizza remix.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: I knew you would be all over that.
1: Uh-huh. And I loved, I found my smile again from the Space Jam soundtrack. Yeah. So the Space Jam album version is not available for streaming, but luckily for us, we got CDs sitting over there. <laughs> But there is like a radio version that is available for streaming, but it sounds. That's the one I listen to. Yeah, it's a little, it sounds a little bit different. The Space Jam version is actually on YouTube. And then, of course, he did a song with Erica for the High School High soundtrack, Your Precious Love. He did a Prince cover. She's always in my hair.
0: I like Prince's version better.
1: I like Prince's version better too, which is normally it would be surprising because you would think I would pick D'Angelo, but because he went for a very guitar centric <laughs> sound on this and I'm not really rock yeah, <laughs> into the rock vibe. It's not bad, but I do like Prince's version better.
0: I just like it better because it's Prince.
1: (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah, had a song with Lauryn Hill. He sang the hook for Method Man. So I think between the first two albums, it didn't seem that long uh, of a hiatus. Yeah, because he was popping up here and there. But yeah, after Voodoo, he was just gone.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, where is this dude?
1: And again, this is before social media and stuff, so we didn't really have any ways of keeping tabs on him until he would pop up for stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's always something negative at that point. It was two things. It Mm -hmm. would be something negative or someone saying that he's got new music coming.
1: Yeah, teasing us. Yeah,
0: it's like, oh, the album will be out in six months, and then two years later, there's nothing.
1: Yeah. So he disappeared, basically. And then you told me, guess who's coming to Made in America? This is 2012. My yeah. Name. And I was like, we're going. <laughs> I don't care who else is in this festival lineup because I'm generally not good with festivals because my musical interest is just not wide enough. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. If D'Angelo is going to be there, I'm going to be there.
0: <laughs> Even with that before the Made in America announcement was made, there was talk about him actually going back out on the road. And after ten, eleven years of it, I was like, all right, yeah, right. Yeah. We'll we'll believe it when we see it. Mm-hmm. And then he actually showed up and performed somewhere, somewhere in Europe. Okay. It's like, oh shit, it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And then of course some footage leaks to Twitter and it's like, oh, he, he's actually doing She's it back. this time. Yeah. <laughs> so then they did the European tour mm-hmm. and that's when they made the announcement about made in America and of course i'm like you're gonna be all in on it uh yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna
1: go to this two-day festival for a one hour performance.
0: <laughs> not me I-, I was there to see other people well
1: i figured there'd be somebody else we'd want to see too but yeah i mean that was the driving force for me though <laughs> <laughs> was this the first year or second year
0: this was the first year
1: oh yeah because i remember we had to stay in that same spot because we had to wait for jay-z to come yeah It um, was the
0: first year yeah It was a good lineup, I thought.
1: I don't even remember now. I just remember him and Jay-Z.
0: Yeah, I have it here in front of me.
1: I think I wanted to see Miguel, but we couldn't leave the spot.
0: Yeah, we could hear him, but we couldn't see him. Like, we could see the video screen at the other stage, but we couldn't see him. Yeah,
1: because if we had left where we were, we wouldn't have been able to make it back because we were fairly close to the Yeah, we had a pretty
0: good spot at the stage at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was Mm Jay-Z, Drake perform that day well he performed the next day
1: <laughs> we went back to the hotel i think we we watched him for a little bit yeah we
0: watched a little bit and then and then went back to the hotel now mind you this is not drake of today this is drake in 2012 so mm-hmm. he was still on the way up
1: but big enough to headline the second night
0: no he wasn't i thought
1: he was the head no nope, pearl jam was oh, the, right the he headliner. was just before pearl yeah. Jam. okay so he was the lead up to the headliner. Yeah.
0: So day one was Jay-Z, who we enjoy. We didn't enjoy uh, Calvin Harris too much because he's a white guy pretending to be black <laughs> with, with his name. I
1: probably, he probably would have played that one Rihanna song.
0: I don't even remember.
1: Was it We Found Love? No, I can't remember. One of her dance songs is with him. That's I don't remember
0: anything remember. about his performance. <laughs> For some reason, I remember Passion Pit. I had never heard of Passion Pit before that day.
1: Is that an artist?
0: Yes. I don't know who that is. I don't even remember. I don't know who they are still to this day. Uh I just remember the name was Passion Pit.
1: I completely forgot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gary Clark was good that day.
1: Yeah, I like him. He's not usually my style, but I like him. He's a good artist. Yeah.
0: Uh, Janelle Monae, Rick Ross. When we first got there, he was performing. I
1: remember that.
0: And then Mm D'Angelo was pretty much all we wanted to see the first day. And then day two, we got to see. And Jay Z. Yeah, we got to see Run DMC. (laughs) Yes. Jill Scott. We could hear Odd Future from the other (laughs) stage, but at the time, I didn't want to hear them either because they were a little too wild for me at that (laughs) point. But now I'm all over Tyler the Creator, so Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a switch. We saw Solange.
1: Yes, that was fun. We
0: heard Rita Ora.
1: I don't remember even hearing Rita Ora.
0: I do. (laughs) (laughs) But seeing D'Angelo was good for me Uh because I had never seen him live before. The only performances I had seen is like on award shows or yeah, same. something like that where he's performing one or two songs.
1: This was before Black Messiah.
0: Yeah, this um, was two years before.
1: Yes. So, and we hadn't even really heard much from him in years. So yeah. I didn't know what to expect, but this definitely gave us a peek into what Black Messiah was going to be. Yeah. I'm sure he was already working on it. Well, yeah, he played a couple songs that ended up being on the Right, there were like album. two or three. So... This kind of reminded me of like, remember when we saw Prince back in, when did we see Prince 2018?
0: No, it was before that because I think he passed Oh, in 2016.
1: Oh, has it been that long already?
0: Something like that. But, but when we saw him, it was the last time he had come to Toronto.
1: Right. It kind of reminded me of that performance because I was unfamiliar with this version of D'Angelo, even though he did play some songs from Voodoo. It was much more of that, like, funk.
0: Yeah, it wasn't the album versions of it. Yeah,
1: and he didn't play anything from Brown Sugar. Nope. And I'm sure he reluctantly played Untitled.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I saw that. He He, doesn't perform it at every show.
1: Okay, because he didn't look reluctant, but I'm sure he's like, I got to give the people something. Yeah. And
0: (laughs) I remember him doing this when we were there, like they cleared the band off and then he came out and started playing it on piano by himself. Yeah. And he was just playing the intro. And then he got up like he was about to walk off and just stood in the front of the stage though and just let the crowd cheer. Yeah. And then he went back to playing. Apparently, that's just his thing. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he just pretends, he's messing with us, that he's not going to play it, and it's like, all right, I'll play
1: it. <laughs> I was rewatching the the Made in America performance since it's uploaded. Me that. too.
0: I was trying to find yeah. us in the crowd.
1: I was too, but I was looking the wrong area. <laughs> but all he did was he played that one note, and a bunch of people started screaming. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> they knew what it was.
1: Yep. But this performance was more chicken grease and less lady. Yeah. But. Because of his talent and his musicality, I guess, I can still, there's something about watching a live performance that when they're a great performance, you just enjoy it even if you don't know the songs. Because
0: the song that he opens with, Mm -hmm. I had no idea what that song was until today.
2: Yeah. Because I had
0: to look it up. Uh It's a Canadian band called Motherlode, and that's their only hit. (laughs) And this is what he opened his set with.
1: I didn't even know that until right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue. I I just assumed it was a song of his. Yeah. But I looked it up because I have not found him performing this mm-hmm. song anywhere else. Interesting. And come to find out, it's just a cover that he was doing.
1: Yeah. So overall, I enjoyed it. Of course, I would have liked to hear Stefan Brown Sugar. But at this point, it's like, he's here.
0: Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> That's all I was concerned
1: with. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like what I was saying about the Prince concert, because I mostly know like more old Prince. Right? right. But when he started to do the newer stuff, I had never heard any of this stuff <laughs> before, but I was still just like, this is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're there and you're watching them perform and you can see how talented they are, you just, you can't help but kind of right. be swept up in it. So as much as I would have liked to hear some of the old stuff, I wasn't disappointed with the performance. Yeah.
0: And it was just taking a little bit of time because we didn't know the songs. Yeah. Like when he did the charade, I'm like, do I like
2: this?
0: (laughs) I don't know if I like this. Yeah. And then after about a minute, it's like, I like this. Yeah. It it just took a while to Mm -hmm. to catch on because we didn't know the song. And hearing it for the first time in that kind of environment is weird because you don't get to hear it Mm -hmm. because there's people screaming and yelling. So you're missing a lot. But I ended up liking it. And that's one of my favorites on the album.
1: Me too. It's not my favorite, but Me neither, it's one of my it's favorites. One of the
0: favorites. Yeah.
2: So let's just
1: go right into Black Messiah, two thousand and fourteen. A whole fourteen years yep. after Voodoo, which is a hard task to come back after basically being gone for that long. Yeah, and knowing that people have so much expectations for you and actually delivering.
0: And what's funny is I didn't remember this, mm-hmm. but it was one of those albums that just dropped with no promotion.
1: Yeah, I didn't remember that either.
0: Because it was supposed to be out a few months later.
1: I think because we kept hearing that it was coming. Yeah. That's probably why I forgot that it was kind of a sneak drop. Right. But this one was definitely a more evolved version of him, more confident and had political undertones or
0: overtones. <laughs>
1: And definitely more like rock and guitars and stuff.
0: Yeah, this one is more Sly and the Family Stone, funkadelic, Mm -hmm. that type of quote-unquote R&B, where it's more guitar-driven, heavier drums. Although there are a couple on there that kind of fit into a jazzy-type realm, but that's pretty much what this is, like a psychedelic rock album. I remember seeing the charade, like I said, back at the uh, Made in America Festival. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like I said, do I like it? Do I not like it? Mm-hmm. I like this. And when it was on the album, like, yes, he didn't just <laughs> throw it away. Yeah. I get to hear that song that I was trying to get into yeah. back at the concert. So I was glad that one actually made the album.
1: The one that I was glad that actually made the album was really love because Questlove had leaked it a million years before. <laughs> yeah. And it was just this horrible little snippet, but I had downloaded it from somewhere, probably because it. <laughs> <laughs> And I would listen to it all the time, just hoping and waiting. And so when I saw that was on the album, I'm like,
0: yes,
1: (laughs) I finally got it.
0: Him leaking that led to them beefing for a little bit,
1: too. Uh, They got back to it, though. they're good now. (laughs) So really love. I think I would have to say that one was my favorite song just because I've been waiting for it. Okay. But Ain't That Easy is also a close second. Okay.
0: My favorite one on this album is betray My Heart.
1: Okay. For me, this is kind of similar to the Made in America performance where I'm not disappointed by it, but it's not my favorite album overall, just okay. because it's less of what I listen to. Like you were saying, it's more of the sort of Sly and Family Stone, and I don't I don't really go that far into yeah. the, the funk. I prefer samples. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, for me, it's the complete opposite. This is yeah. my favorite D'Angelo album of the three.
1: It's hard for me to pick between the first two because I think I like Brown Sugar best overall, as in every single song. I right. Like. But the songs that I like on Voodoo, I really like. Okay. So it's hard for me to pick between those two. But it's definitely not this one because this one is the least my style. It doesn't sound like, oh, what is he doing? Like, we've already seen him going into this direction. Right. And it's not like, oh, I don't like him anymore. <laughs> it's just less on there of stuff that i would like
0: (laughs) yeah for me it's like you said the transition into it Mm -hmm. and this is where it was perfected like you can see hints of it on the first two albums but this is where it all came together
1: right so despite it coming out so long after voodoo it's not a shock it doesn't sound weird it still sounds like him but it just sounds like him deeper into what he was trying to do before
0: and it would be really weird for him to come out 14, 15 years later, and then, lady.: No, not only <laughs> that, but throwing on random rappers that used to be out around the same time as him, because yeah. they're not around anymore. And what are we going to do? Put little Uzi Vert?:
1: He could put red and meth on in again.:
0: We: <laughs> could. <still> <laughs> We could, but were they making movie? Were they making albums at that time? They were doing TV and movies, so I don't know. It's like the people his contemporaries really weren't there, so you can't really throw on mm-hmm. Q-tips on a verse because he's not doing music right now but hey that's just me
1: i think he just didn't want to
0: but at the same time (laughs) tribe called quest did have an album come out around the same time there you go so
1: they could they could i'm glad they did (laughs) let's
0: keep those separate for now
1: okay he did show up on a rhapsody song the liquid swords sample with <laughs> yeah the i can't remember i didn't look at what year that came out but that was last year i know it was recent yeah was i think recent. it was last
0: year because she did an album mm-hmm. and each song title is a woman that she admires mm, okay. even though the song doesn't have anything to do right. with that particular woman they're just named about different women that she admires and okay. i can't pronounce the woman's name i looked it
1: up but I'm still not convinced that I'm pronouncing it right.
0: Like I know who she is. She's a fencer. Yeah. And she won a medal in the Olympics. I just can't pronounce her name. And I'm <laughs> I'm not going to try and butcher it right now. Spell it.
1: I-B-T-I-H-A-J.
0: Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm not going to butcher it. I'm not going to offend anybody who has this name. But y'all know what it is.
1: He wasn't in the video. No. I was hoping he'd show up. But he didn't. He did but Mary J.
0: Blige did, though. She
1: did. And Roxanne Shante. Yeah. And of course, Will the Jizzle, since he was on the song yeah but i was like of course mary j blige just loves showing up in in videos I'm not <laughs> that's surprised. what she does but the video's creative director one of her besties misa hilton okay well so there you go. now we know that makes even more sense yeah mary j would just be randomly dancing <laughs> just
0: dancing in the background all not, in the video not saying anything <laughs> i'm not surprised at that yeah. Another song that he had come out in 2019 was unshaken. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the most random song that he's ever done because of a person who has a random career like D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. This is the highest of random. <laughs> it's a song on Red Dead Redemption 2. Yes. Which is a video. game. Why?
1: I found an article.
0: I know why. Oh, okay. But my question is, why? <laughs> why is he singing?
1: And it's like a. Almost like a country song. Yes. It's
0: right? it's a song that you would hear if you're watching a Western. Yeah. And here he is singing unshaken. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, come on. Of all places for you to pop up with new music, Red Dead Redemption 2. A video game. Yeah. I haven't gotten to the point of the game where the song pops up. So when it happens, I'll let you know because it plays the entire song, apparently, through yeah. a montage. Mm-hmm. So I will let you know. But you can tell the story of how he ended up on the soundtrack.
1: So I found this article that said that he was just a fan of the video game. Yeah. And got in touch with them to play the, the game, the version two. <laughs> yeah. And then it just kind of manifested into, you want to do a song?
0: <laughs> Cause they, uh,
1: I'm like, why would you have to get in touch with them to play the game? Why don't you just wait for the game to come out?
0: He loved it that much
1: that he was just like, let me see if I can just go to them directly and just play <laughs> the game.
0: And they said they would let him come down to the studio and he <laughs> would play it from like, midnight to five in the morning for days and finally they were like hey you want to be on the soundtrack okay
1: yeah originally it was supposed to just be in the game but they decided to actually release it as a single
0: and like i said i haven't finished the game yet but i know where (laughs) it's supposed to happen yeah so i will let you know okay they play it twice
1: okay So that's pretty much his career in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, in terms of the music.
1: And it's kind of crazy when you think about it that he has so much impact based off the first two albums.
0: Yeah. Because
1: usually people who have this much, I guess, impact <laughs> have like lots of albums. <laughs> yes. I mean, three is still pretty good. Like a lot of people don't make it to two yeah, exactly <laughs> again this was all based off of the first two albums but i guess when the talent is there you don't have to just be pushing stuff out all the time <laughs> right people will just wait for it
0: <laughs> we want it a little quicker than 15 years but <laughs> when we get it we're happy with it. but
1: he did pop up with a verses
0: that was supposed to be him and maxwell but something happened with maxwell according to swiss beats He wouldn't say what it was, Mm -hmm. but he bailed. D'Angelo was like, I'm ready to go. They said, you know what? Since you're ready, we're still going to put this show on. And D'Angelo and friends. D'Angelo and friends. (laughs) It would have been better if there was more crowd participation. It just seemed really dead just mm -hmm. because it was him and DJ Scratch, basically.
1: Well, I think at this time, you know how the, the later verses, they were actually like, concerts basically yeah but i think at this time they were still keeping it very only um
0: only the performers
1: yeah basically like if you don't need to be here you can't be here
0: it was good to see him
1: it was but given the circumstances
0: yeah i would rather it be in front of a crowd but
1: this is endemic time <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't want him to get sick
0: no we don't, <laughs> we don't want that but i would like to have seen like some crowd response
1: i found this stream online and i was kind of re-watching some of it. And I think my favorite part was that he played shook ones and made it go into feel like making love. I'm like, that's the D'Angelo that
0: I like. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. <laughs> I, I
1: have a timestamp.
0: Okay. So
1: And I think he played, um, I can't remember what was the world is yours, but he played a non song as well. And I was like, this is the kind of like fusion of R and B and hip hop and whatever that I like. <laughs> But yeah, it was definitely the Bob Deep going into Feel Like Making Love. I'm like, all right. That's
0: a win-win for you. Mm-hmm. So outside of the verses, if you have a Sonos speaker system, there is a station called Feverish Phantasmagoria. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but he is the curator of that station mm-hmm. for whatever reason. It's not available here in Canada, but it's available in U.S. and other countries. So... I heard the first DJ mix that he put together himself, it was pretty good. It's basically all of the people that influenced him, so right. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it, but not yet. you might not like it because it has a lot of that psychedelic rock, but then he also throws in some De La Soul, too, okay. so it's basically D'Angelo.
1: Cafe background music yeah. station.
0: <laughs> and we listened to Erica's station that yeah. she curated. It's all over the place, so I'd assume that his is probably yeah. the same way.
1: I would imagine. I feel like they have a lot of crossover (laughs)
0: influences. (laughs) So like I said, if you do have a Sonos speaker system, go ahead and check that out. Yeah. And also, if you can get a chance to see it, it's kind of hard to find these days. But there is a documentary that came out in 2019 Uh called Devil's Pie. Someone just basically trailed him for a couple of years and documented his comeback and up to just about before the album came out. So if you want to check that out, if you can. Go ahead. That too.
1: Yeah, since right now it only seems to be available like special screenings and festivals yeah, and stuff. Right, so
0: we got lucky enough to see it. Yes, it was at the Hot Docs Festival here in Toronto, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that it it only been on the festival circuit since then. But if you get a chance, check it out. You got anything else you want to add?
1: Just go on YouTube, put his name in, and just look at all these live performances, and um, you'll see. Different renditions of the songs you know and love. Yeah. Like that interesting version of Shit Damn Motherfucker that yeah. played at a jazz festival. <laughs>
0: at the Montreux Jazz <laughs> Festival. Like, okay, this is how going you going to open the show? He was right. going
1: in. And then there's the performance with Questlove.
0: At Brooklyn Bowl.
1: The one song I saw from that performance was Tell Me If You Still Care by the SOS Band. Yeah. So there's just so much stuff even though he's been he was gone for a while he's done a lot of performances. Yeah.
0: Uh so we'll put links to everything on the website so you can check out the performances and all that good stuff so you can see what we've been talking about.
1: I thought this was going to be a short episode since he only has 3 albums but wrong. I guess we can just gush about him forever.
0: Yeah, because he's one of my favorites. He's obviously one of your favorites yes. so. <laughs> we thought there was going to be a 30 minute episode but we are wrong.
1: <laughs> but we are going to wrap up now.
0: We are. On that note, thank you again for listening today. Reminisce Over You. We appreciate everybody who's continuing to listen and come back. Our numbers are going up. Shout out to our people in Zimbabwe. (laughs) I'm going to shout out a different country every time you do this from now on. Yes. So my people in Zimbabwe, this is for you. (laughs) Uh, Make sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram and follow us on both if you're not already doing so. Go to the website, check out the transcripts, see the links that we're talking about for the references In this episode,
1: Mm -hmm. or read the transcript because sometimes we cross talk and mumble and all that. So,
0: if you need to check it out that (laughs) way, feel free. Uh, We're also putting together a playlist so you can check that out on Spotify. We'll link to it on the website. And also, you can listen to the Music Plus Talk edition on Spotify as well if you want to hear with an embedded playlist. So,
1: it'll be a little bit of talking, a little bit of
0: songs. Yeah. Check that out too. Anything else you want to say to the people?
1: Let the man live. (laughs)
0: Keep his shirt on. Let the man keep his shirt on in 2022. (laughs) We will see you guys or talk to you guys again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.